Welcome back to another edition of Sports Business Secrets. My name is Kevin Tarka. I am the founder of Creation Talent Agency, and I will be releasing a new podcast every single day for an entire year that is specifically designed to share the inevitable challenges of the sports business world and how to overcome them. I'm inviting you to join me in real time on my personal journey of representing professional basketball players, traveling the world, and continuously finding ways to battle through the adversity in this competitive industry. The goal is to share as many secrets as I can to help you along your own path to success. Welcome back to another edition of Sports Business Secrets. Today, we're talking with interim head coach for Fleming College, Menelik Fernandez. And for those who don't know Menelik, he is uh, from our lovely neighboring country of Canada and uh, has many years of experience in various coaching roles. Basketball is his main love, but he's also quite entrepreneurial, uh, working in the real estate industry, starting his own business, starting his own podcast, and of course, of course like I mentioned, coaching uh, college basketball. So we're excited to have you on here, Coach. Uh, I'm super excited to be here. Uh, I love saying this super excited. It's definitely a Canadian thing. Uh, but I'm, I'm super excited to be here. Kevin, I have admired what you've been doing since the start. I think it's uh, actually phenomenal to be able to do this every day and put out such great content. So definitely a huge fan and I'm, I'm honored and humbled to be able to sit down with you. Appreciate it, man. So uh, when I have guests on, I always like to give them kind of the spotlight for a second. I know I gave you a, a little bit of, a, of an intro here, but maybe you can tell the audience a bit about like your upbringing and um, when when basketball started making an impact in your life. For sure. So uh, that would be early in life, without a doubt. Uh, I was a baseball player originally, and then uh, myself and my friends, we were all in one team. We all got kind of tall pretty quick. So we decided let's, let's move sports and uh, head over to basketball. And uh, so I grew up in a single parent uh, household. I got a mother that is the best role model in the entire world, took care of everything that needed to be taken care of, just you know, made everything work. One of those people that you look back and you're like, wow, she was phenomenal. Uh, but that being said, sports and uh, my, my first coach were probably like my father in life. So when you talk about when it became important, it was from a very, very early age. So my friend Sean Buckle's father, Sidney Buckle, was my first coach, moved with us from baseball to basketball. And just the sheer amount of time that that man you know, poured into my upbringing through sport could never be repaid, which is probably a huge motivating factor behind why I coach myself, trying to pay it back. Mm. And, and so did you, did you always have that, that interest in coaching? Did you, did you want to continue to play to the highest level or like early on you knew like, hey, co- coaching is for me? No, I, I didn't. So that, that's actually pretty intriguing. And uh, from my perspective in that, you know, I, I was recruited to some universities. I didn't play in college. Uh, I was a decent basketball player in high school, five-year starter, team captain. We had five years back then. I didn't <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I had a couple schools and I just sort of ultimately decided that I wanted to go and have the university experience and do that instead. And the Canada basketball at the collegiate level at that time was nowhere near where it is now. So, you know, there was there was a real like risk reward of playing type thing that was going on. Uh, and then, you know, ultimately I sort of walked away from the game for a while. And, and as you mentioned, I became an entrepreneur. So I, I was, my entire adult life has been in sales and I was a cell phone salesperson uh, originally. And then I moved into selling real estate in my mid twenties, started my own brokerage and have been doing that for a long period of time. 
somewhere in my early 30s, I was kind of like, you know, what's missing in life is sport. So, uh, you know, I, I remember knowing a lot of things about basketball. It turns out I didn't know nearly as much as I thought I did, but I wanted to impart that knowledge, pay it forward to youth, help kids out the same way that somebody did for me. So that motivating factor didn't really come until a little bit later on in life. Got it. Got it. Well, we're going to touch on some of that entrepreneurial stuff in a little bit, uh, in a little bit here, but let's jump right into basketball in Canada. So for those who are listening, um, obviously you coach at the college level, but can you maybe give like a 30,000 foot view on the culture of basketball in, in Canada? And then maybe after that dive into like the, you know, the differences between, okay, well, what is college basketball in Canada look like versus the States and the, and the NCAA? Sure. So uh, looking at it from, a very, very wide lens. Basketball is quickly becoming, I would say, probably our most popular sport. Uh, you know, the level of play all across the country is, is moving up. Uh, obviously, hockey is a huge competitor still, but uh, even in small towns all around, and I travel extensively throughout Canada, even in small towns, basketball is becoming tremendously popular. There's organized leagues everywhere, and there's good players everywhere. There's a lot of small town cities that you'd be like, uh, small towns or cities, excuse me, that you would be like, I didn't know basketball players come from there, but they do. And they're the kind of uh, guys or girls that are competitive. They, they bring that drive, that will to win. Uh, you know, like a lot of people attribute like the blue collar mentality to a lot of Canada. That's absolutely what's going on. Uh, in terms of, you know, moving through the ranks, we've had a, a lot of prep schools develop in the past five years, I'd say five to seven years. Somewhere in there, there's two major ones in Ontario, which is our most populous province. Uh, and both of those are highly competitive and they're starting to really churn out athletes now. Uh, collegiately in, in Canada, so college and university are separate things in Canada, which is a little bit different than it is in the United States. So colleges are usually more like two or three year programs. They can be four or five as well. Universities are usually more like four or five year programs. They can be shorter as well. And the university league, which is called eSports, is typically considered superior to the college level, which is the Canadian College Athletic Association. Uh, but I mean, that's those aren't absolutes. Those are really just kind of guidelines as to what's going on. And then comparatively between the United States and Canada, obviously, you guys have 10 times the population. However, we, I think, are starting to become very competitive. Obviously, Canada, the second... Uh, the country with the second most NBA players in the entire world. And a lot of really, really good division one prospects are coming out of Canada. Uh, I remember listening to your one podcast, uh, Mike Simonetta talking about it a little bit. I've, I've heard him say and tweet before, like there's a lot of schools within, I don't know, 600 miles of where I am in Toronto that could absolutely use a Canadian or two on their roster to help them out. So it's, it's definitely something that is developing still, but is very competitive and lots of really, really good players. For sure. And you touched on the, um, cause, cause obviously there, you know, the, the, the Canadian elite players have gone to the highest level, like to the NBA, but there's also a lot of elite Canadian players that come to come to the States for college, uh, you know, in the NCAA. So have you noticed like what, what has the Canadian university league, you know, done to try and convince guys like, is it difficult for them to convince guys to stay there who are at that level where hey they're getting you know recruited by NCAA division one schools uh yeah so this one is a bit of a sticking point with Canadian coaches for sure 
uh, a lot of high school or uh, like AAU or club coaches will say like, we don't often see Canadian coaches on the recruiting trail enough. And, and there's reasons behind that, to be perfectly honest. Like, uh, similar to the United States, a lot of players are still living their D1 dream out instead of talking about fit and right situation and all that kind of stuff. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, there is, of course, the, the financial factor, right? So in Ontario, excuse me, in Ontario, we can't offer full scholarships. There are other places in Canada that can. So like Canada West in U Sports or the Atlantic Coast can in U Sports as well. Uh, but even with those, they can't do housing and they can't do extra things mm. like uh, books or cost of attendance. So, I mean, if you're an A-plus level player, obviously on paper, there's a lot of things that make one look more attractive than another. That being said, uh, there are a lot of things, in my opinion, that make playing in Canada more attractive to playing Division One basketball. Like a lot of people don't know that the Canadian bounce back rate. So that means uh, players that go division one and then end up repatriating and coming back to a Canadian university is three out of four. Wow. So, so 75% of athletes are coming back because of things like, Hey, it wasn't a fit or I want to play in front of my family or uh, you know, uh, whatever situation happened. And I think now that this coach is probably a better coach for me, or they find creative ways with financing to make other things happen. Like a lot of coaches are very good at working with bursaries and grants and all that kind of stuff to get, uh, get players in. So, I mean, I would always encourage not only just youth to look at all their options, but I would also encourage uh, coaching at lower levels. This, this is a sticking point for me to stop being D1 or bust. That mentality still very much exists. And like, I know a lot of people that played division two, division three, junior college, U sports in Canada, Canada college, and have had very good careers and still gone on to play professional basketball, which really should be the ultimate goal. For sure. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, that, that is something that, that we share here in the States is a big time issue of just, and, and, and I get it, you know, like the times are changing where it's very easy for kids to compare themselves to others. They open up social media and they see it and they want it. I get it. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big issue here as well for guys just saying, Hey, look, like I want to be D1. Well, you know, there's only so many roster spots and just because you don't go D1 does not mean you're a failure. There are so many positive paths that guys have taken and girls uh, at the JUCO, like you mentioned, D2, NAIA, and then ended up overseas right, at a high sure. level or in the NBA. So sure. um, and, and that was you just very quickly tack on to that, Kevin, like we're both university graduates. University is an experience. Right. So, I mean, if you're going to be a varsity athlete, that's great. That's fantastic. That's part of the experience. But there's lots of schools that just because they're they're big and shiny doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that they will be the best experience for you. Agreed. 100 percent agreed. So so that was a great um, no, that, that was a great way to kind of put it at 30,000 feet and describe the differences. So so now I want to hear a little bit more about uh, Fleming College and, you know, your experience as, you know, running the show there and uh, maybe the type of players that that you recruit and, you know, how you run that program and some of your responsibilities as uh, interim head coach. For sure. So, I mean, I moved in halfway through last season and I was about to have my first recruiting class when COVID you know, shut us down here in Canada. We're still not playing and we don't know if we're going to play yet. So as far as responsibilities for me, a lot of it was, uh, you know, trying to better a team that I took over halfway through the year, 
you know, trying to improve points per game, trying to disallow more points per game from the other side. Uh, you know, like it was a lot of improvement based. It was a lot of commitment based. And I was really excited to have a first recruiting class and see what I could do. Uh, but, you know, like the responsibilities in taking over were a lot more things like fundraising, reaching out to alumni, engaging the community, trying to get more people to games. A lot of, you know, a lot of the normal hats that a small college coach would wear, so to speak. Uh, and I thought I did an OK job, did some press, uh, you know, raised some money for the program for sure. All of my guys that were on the team when I took over finished the season and we were winless when I took over. It's I mean, anybody who's ever been in that kind of situation, it's tough to keep guys motivated when they're not getting W's, when they're, uh, you know, they're not happy with each other. And, and I didn't take over the best of situations either in terms of what had happened for me to be moved in. Mm. So uh, I think, you know, there was a lot of positive stuff, but like I'm anxious and excited and, uh, you know, really, really looking forward to seeing what I can do with a, a recruiting class, but, you know, be with some time and, and some ability to plan and really move forward and see what's going on there. Definitely not. That's a testament to you. I know it's not easy for, uh, for players or for a coach in that situation. And obviously uh, in the COVID situation, not easy, not knowing what's next with the uncertainty. So, you know, I'm sure that, you know, wherever you land next or, you know, hopefully you'll get that season back here shortly, but uh, um, you know, I, I'm excited for you to see what you can do. And, and hopefully at some point I'll be able to get up to, to, to watch a game. Um, welcome for sure. Thank you. So uh the next topic I want to dig into is Run It Back, which is your podcast. Uh, so, so how have you been able to grow? I mean, it's been fun watching you grow yours as well. Um, you know, I, I can't remember exactly when you started, but over the past, you know, six months, it's been fun to see all the different guests you've had on. We've even shared a few guests, I think. Um, yeah. to, to, to talk about that a little bit more, tell, tell whoever's listening, you know, what, what it's all about and, um, and, and, and where they can find it. So I, I'm uh, I'm involved with the Rising Coaches community. Uh, you know, it was something yep. that I joined, and you know, I really recommend to any coaches who are trying to grow and get better, all that kind of fun stuff. It's where I originally met you, obviously. Yep, I heard you speak, and uh, you know, we were pretty shut down here in Canada, and still remain to be. And I was losing my mind a little bit, to be perfectly honest. Like I miss basketball. Can't can't even get on an outdoor court, and uh, it's been tricky. Uh, so then there were some recommendations in the rising coaches community, like, Hey, if anybody's interested in hosting some of their own content, we'd be happy to show you the ropes a little bit and, you know, obviously use our audience, et cetera. So I commend them for the jumpstart. And it was, I mean, if anybody has not heard it and is going to go and check it out from here, first of all, thank you. I appreciate that. But I mean, the first five or six episodes were just basically me in a room talking with a couple other coaches. And the concept of the show changed a little bit when I got my first guest. So my first guest was actually Charles Duberbray from the Raptors 905. And Charles, I had met at various uh, events and like to my, uh, I, I couldn't believe that somebody was willing to do this as like, hey, I'm willing to sit down and speak to you and share knowledge and all that. Because the first five, six shows are just me sort of like guessing at what the coaches are doing. And then other coaches in the room are kind of offering their opinion. And then when I got Charles, I could really see which direction the show needed to go in, where it needed to have guests from the game who could actually offer what had, what had really happened behind the scenes. And then from there, uh, I mean, from we, we just finished filming our 55th episode. I do it once a week. So I did actually start in June of last year. 
and I just recorded the episode that would make one year. So I've made it one year through, so to speak. Uh, but I mean, it's been a fantastic journey and uh, I've really, I've had the good fortune of sitting down with some incredible coaches. Uh, just, you know, we, I'm going to humble brag a little bit. I'm sorry, Kevin, but like we've had coaches from 13 different countries on and every level. So like high school, high school prep, division one through three, uh, the Christian schools in the United States, Canada basketball, national team coaches, professional coaches, and G League coaches. So, and an NBA player. So, I mean, it's been really, really, really incredible to sit down. I'm just some guy who's kind of along for the ride. And uh, I think it's made me a better coach overall as well. Definitely love the humble brag. And I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on that because, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're an aspiring coach, if you're a current coach, if you're an aspiring player, just tons of, tons of knowledge on there. Um, for free, check it out on YouTube. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. It's uh, it's it, it, it's all over LinkedIn. So um, I would highly recommend that if you if you want to you know learn more about the game and learn more about what happens behind the scenes of uh, you know from some of the some of the world's top coaches. So great stuff there. And uh, so so the next topic I want to jump into here is going back to um, to entrepreneurship a little bit. So obviously I know this is a sports business podcast, sure. but I, I I I think it's super important to uh, touch on some things that sports business professionals maybe do outside of the game. And, uh, and, you know, it's really important too for coaches and players and agents and anyone that's essentially call it climbing the ladder. You know, there are often other things in life that you do either because you have to out of necessity or because you have another passion outside the game. So one of the things, one of those things for you is obviously your own business and, 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 and real estate. So, Tell, tell me a little bit more about that. I kind of want to share with the audience maybe what you've learned from that that's helped you in coaching and then, and then vice versa. Love it. Um, I, it's, it's such a huge question and I hope I can accurately hit the nail on the head with this. Uh, I have the expression all the time that coaching is either teaching or selling. I think that's a good place to start because you're either you know trying to teach somebody to do something a specific way <clears throat> or you're trying to sell them on why the way that, you know, is best for the team or the way that you want it to do, you want them to do it is what's best overall for, for them. So, I mean, sales obviously is highly applicable to coaching in, from my perspective. Uh, as far as like being an adult and being grown up in the world, the simple truth is that coaching in Canada, especially at the college level, not so much at the university level, does not pay very well. So the vast, like the vast majority of Canadian coaches are also working full-time jobs outside of it. So it's an example of doing what you have to do in order to do what you want to do. I want to be a full-time basketball coach. I'd love to coach at the highest level that's possible. Uh, you know, I, I spend all my extra time doing this. Uh, but that being said, the, the reality of it is I have to sell real estate in order to pay the bills in order to coach. So what a lot of players don't like to hear or uh, don't want to think about is that the simple truth is not only are the vast majority of basketball players not going to play professional basketball, but they're going to need some something to fall back on. And it's awesome if it's related to something that you love. So for me, sports is a meritocracy. I get it. You put in work, you get ahead. People that are better usually end up being farther ahead, but there's there's a lot of places that you can go from sport, from the relationships that you develop. And that's the real value in being around sport. So I think, you know, 
I'm rambling a little bit, but uh, to try and to narrow it and make it as succinct as possible, the, you know, players always come to me and they're like, what should I study? And I'm like business because business applies to everything and you'll find your path from business beyond that. Like you'll, you'll be able to apply the skills that you learn in business to other things. And it's applicable to just about anything. And, you know, the relationships are the real value. You guys don't even really understand that yet, but if I can call Kevin Tarka in 20 years, because I've got whatever idea, the simple fact that he goes, I remember Menelik, he was a good guy and he'll pick up the phone and listen to my call is invaluable. And, and you don't understand it when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, but you really get it when you're 35, 36, 37 years old, for sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of gems in there, you know, I think uh, I, I studied finance and economics. And like I said before, I think it makes it me, me sound a little smarter than I am, but the reality is also is that, um, you know, it was business. I studied business for a reason, not necessarily because I knew exactly what I wanted to do, but because life is related to business. You can, you know, you don't have to be, I mean, even if you're an artist or doing something completely unrelated to business, you need to understand financial literacy to an extent. I think that's something that in this world in general, we do, especially in the States, we do, we do a poor job of teaching. Um, but, but also something that you said was, uh, you know, it's something that, that, that you have to fall, not, not that you have to fall back on, but like some players don't understand, like you don't necessarily have to fall back on it. You can, you can enjoy that thing you do, you know, like you've obviously enjoyed the real estate. You've enjoyed doing what you do. Um, and so, you know, a lot of players don't want to hear that, but it's like, Hey, look, you know, we don't have to crunch numbers here to tell you that there's the percentage of pro guys that make it to be pro uh, are, are very few and far in between. And even the ones that are pro and playing overseas, a lot of people don't know this either is the majority of players overseas. They're making a thousand bucks a month or they're making, you know, yeah. a couple of thousand bucks a month, you know, yeah. like if they get it there. So, you know, what do they come home and they just, you know, they're, they're living like Kings. No, they're, they're doing other things. And if you can realize that earlier, like you mentioned, I think you'll be better off. So I, I think that was a great answer. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, so w you, you've obviously been, uh, been through various stages in your coaching career and, you, and, and your business career. And, and, and one question I'd like to ask a lot of my guests is what is one, and I'm sure there have been many, but maybe you can touch on one, but one, uh, one of the biggest obstacles that you faced in your career uh, and, and how did you overcome it or what did you learn from it? Um. So, I mean, obviously, for anybody who doesn't know, Kevin was kind enough to send me the questions in advance. And this is one that I even struggle with within interviews. I think uh, I always like to relate it to this, this cliche or this adage or whatever. They always say that if you want to go, uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And one of my biggest problems or sticking points in my life is I don't play well with others. Uh, I'm, I'm a self-starter. I don't work well on other people's timelines. I, uh, I mean, I'm 20 years in sales at this point, and I, I've basically in my adult life almost never earned a salary. It, everything has always been commission based. So I don't really understand the, the calm down, take a minute, let's just do something else for a little while mentality. I'm always like, yo, let's, let's go, let's do this. Let's get it done right now. And for some people, it rubs them wrong. And, you know, as an older gentleman now, I think uh, looking back, my biggest obstacle has, has always been, you know, sort of catering to or dealing with the way that I'm perceived and then trying to work around that so that I make the other person feel comfortable. Because as a younger gentleman, I was always like, I don't care if you're comfortable. I'm going to do what I need to do and get it done. 
and I'm efficient and that's all that should, should matter. But the simple truth in life is that, that that's not true. Perception is the reality in many cases. And the way that you are perceived, you often don't have control of, but you can do things to try and mitigate it and work around it. And you can be very keen on realizing, oh, this person thinks this or that about me because maybe I was a bit brash in that. So let me try and remedy that by reaching out to them or by saying like, I think you have this perception. That's not who I want to be like known as. Let me try and, and make that better, so to speak. So I would say that that has probably been my biggest challenge in life. And the way that I've worked on that has been a continual process of really examining a lot of my interactions, revisiting them and, you know, reaching out to people that perhaps, oh, I think maybe you got the wrong impression. I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah. And that doesn't happen overnight. That's just a testament to you for, for continuously working on that. I mean, I think it's something that everyone, it should be right along there with, uh, with, with uh, financial literacy that we teach is like, you know, you, you have to look at, have to look at yourself from not only what you see in the mirror, but from what other people see of you and, and, and be aware of that. So um, love that answer. Awesome. And so yeah. as you wrap up here, just got a couple more, what, um, what, what changes would you like to see in Canadian basketball in the next yeah. <laughs> five years or so? And, and I know we could probably go an hour, so let's, let, let, let's keep this one a few minutes uh, here. But uh, yeah, I just I laugh a little bit because it's one that like you kind of have to walk on eggshells because you don't want to offend people. There's so few people that are decision makers. I'd love to see full scholarship basketball in Canada. And uh, I, I speak ad nauseum about this, and it, it definitely is one that rubs certain people wrong, but I think that our athletes deserve it. Uh, athletes, I, I, I did a grad night last year for one of uh, my graduating players, and part of my speech was, I have such tremendous respect for what student athletes do, and I'm not just talking about the few that end up playing professional sports. I mean everybody. The golfers, the like we have logger sports at my school, which isn't a very common sport, but the logger sports athletes all the way to like, you know, football big time in a huge division one conference or whatever. I have such respect for what these people do because the constraint on their time is so massive and ultimately their representations of your school, their they're advertisers for your school. They help with enrollment for your school. They bring people together. I know several people who are married now and have families because they met at tailgate parties or because they met at the game or the big event. Like they, they bring people together in a way that means a lot. So from my perspective, and you know, I don't have all the numbers. I'm not a red tape person who's sitting at a high level getting to make that decision. But from my perspective, they deserve it. They deserve a thank you. They deserve a little bit of like, hey, we need to spend some extra time to make sure they work it, uh, excuse me, to make sure they make it and that they're getting their work done and that they're able to give back to their own community because that's ultimately what student athlete sports is all about. Uh, beyond that, I'd like to see more youth coaches supporting Canadian basketball. And this is a big one because when you are a, a youth player who is really, really good and the people that you trust are like, go D1, like just go D1, get out of here type deal. It's really hard as a college coach to like to pitch you on anything. Hey, Kevin, I have this program at my school that is perfect for you. It will develop you into this person. You're, you're going to be in and around sports still, and you're going to have a very successful life and great network and all that. doesn't matter. This person who's really, really important to me said I should go division one basketball. And I mean, ultimately that's really tough to work around. And there are 
many other things for sure. I'd like to see more of a top-down model. I'd like to see our pro leagues pushed more. Uh, I'd like to see more Canadians, you know, playing into that ultimate professional level. But those things are coming for sure. I love it. Yeah, we might have to do another episode on, on some of those other things, just digging those conversations. But 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 I uh, yeah, I love the full scholarship one too, and 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 hopefully here. Um, obviously the big, the big thing happening with the NTA here this summer, uh, with the NIL stuff and college athletes being able to monetize that, hopefully that will give some sort of incentive for the Canadian leagues to be like, okay, well, this is important. And maybe there are other ways we can add value to, you know, these student athletes lives, whether it is just full scholarships, at least bumping that up or right. part of the, uh, you know, part of the, the, the monetizing opportunity. So, and let me um, just very quickly add on, I'm yeah. sorry. We, no, we no worries. Parts. When I, when I played, we had nothing. And now there are some full scholarships in certain parts of Canada and Quebec and Ontario are, are catching up and getting there. The, there's definitely strides in the right direction, but I'd like to see more. Got it. Great. And so last main question I have here for you is for anyone that's listening, that might be an aspiring coach at any level, really, but let's just say college coach for now. Um, what, what's some, what's some advice you have for them? Don't stop. Uh, I, it, it's funny because uh, I think it's a, uh, a Woody Allen quote where it's like 90% of success is just showing up or whatever. And it's funny when you listen to it, but it's really true. Like if, if you can get up at six in the morning when you've got an early meeting, if, if you can be at everything on time, if you can, uh, you know, really attend as many clinics or as many Zoom sessions or uh, you know, like if you can really be as involved as possible and really show that you really want it, good things will come. And it, it's really difficult in Canada because there's really only 107 jobs at the collegiate level. There's 60 in the college side and there's uh, 47 on the university side. So it's really difficult to even get an interview and be in, in the room, so to speak. But don't stop. Don't get discouraged. Keep training youth. Keep building uh, smaller programs. Keep being in and around as many gyms as you can. The culture needs it. The, the young people need it. And, and as I said in the beginning, I can never pay back what certain people did for me when I was a uh, younger person. I can only pay it forward. And I hope more people have that mentality. Love it. Got me fired up. That's, that's, that's great <laughs> advice, man. So, so before we officially wrap up here, I like to end things with the sports business lightning round and I'm just going to fire off a series of questions that you oh, are I'm un fail massively. <laughs> that, that you're unprepared for. Now you're going to crush it, but you just got to hit me with the first thing that comes to your mind uh, rapidly. All right. Okay. Here we go. Favorite color. Green. Most points you've ever scored in a game. 38 twice. Oh, twice. I like it. Pizza or pasta. Uh, pizza mj or lebron oh mj sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> what's one of the coolest cities that you've ever been to um uh reykjavik oh that's a good one i haven't been there yet it's on the list nice uh what is something that you're really bad at oh man um i stink at golf <laughs> i'm <laughs> terrible at I it I share that with you. What's, I shoot 130. Uh, <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> what's, uh, what's one of your biggest strengths? Uh, my biggest strengths. Jeez. Uh, I, I think that I am very, very capable of making people see a perspective that was different from their own. Right. Who are three people that have helped you tremendously in your life? Uh, my mother is number one. Uh, you know, nobody better. Uh, 
I'd have to say Sydney Buckle, who I mentioned earlier, uh, was one of my coaches when I was young. Huge, huge respect for that person. Uh, and my, my daughter, London Fernandez. Awesome. What was your first ever job? I was a delivery person. Uh, no, that's, that's actually not true. My first ever job was an umpire for baseball, but my first ever payroll job that was like official and paid taxes, I was a delivery person for Popeye's chicken. <laughs> Both are great. I love those starts. Uh, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Um, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm teetering between invisibility and the ability to read other people's thoughts both great uh, a couple more here if you could trade jobs with anyone in any industry for one week just to live their life in their shoes who would that be i'd have to go with the richest person on the planet and say jeff bezos that would be quite the quite the week for sure yeah. uh and 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 last one here if you could turn back time and talk to 18 year old Menelik, what would you tell him uh stay involved with sport don't move away from it uh Continue doing a lot of the same things that you're doing, but spend a little bit more time focused on work. Don't party quite so much. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's some good advice. I think we all need a little bit of that. That's awesome, man. <laughs> well, this has been great. I'm sure all the aspiring uh, coaches here and anyone who's listening learned a ton. I appreciate having you on. It's been great to get to know you better over the past uh, year or so, and I'm excited for, uh, for 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 your future and watching whatever whatever TV coach at whatever level they're going to be successful. And uh, I'm just excited to uh, yeah to watch where you land next, man. Thank you. And nothing but respect, honestly, for everything you're doing. And and you know, like sincerely, the the podcast has been fantastic. To for anybody who's listening, I'm sure you know, but to be able to do this every day for as long as you've been doing, and I know what goes on behind the scenes with all the booking of guests and all the, the managing of time, you're incredible. Great job, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling really crazy, you can even share it on social media. As always, if there's a topic you want me to talk about further or a guest you would love to hear on the podcast, just shoot me a message on social media at Kevin Tarka. Thanks again, and I'll see you here tomorrow morning on Sports Business Secrets.